Well, as I mentioned before, I'm really uh, excited to start this study of prayer together and what the Bible has to say and direction for us. And as we do, as always, uh, there's that uh, colored insert that I pray can be a guide for you as we uh, study together and take some points from Scripture home with us. And uh, as we get going in this series, um, I wanted to start with something that we haven't done for a while, and I know like just how much you love doing this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk in church right now and uh, give you an opportunity to talk with people around you, preferably if they're not too far away, people who uh, aren't related to you or didn't come to church with you. So I have a question that I want you to consider as we uh, sort of start this series off. And here's the question. It's on the screen. Um, How would you rate your personal prayer life? A scale of one to ten, one being um, you never or rarely pray, ten being like, I don't need this series because I am like the pro prayer. You know, Jesus and me, we're the same with praying. Um, Ten being great, nothing to improve on. Where would you rate your prayer life? And because that's not really a discussion question, um, Just a quick why. Why that number? Uh, And so again, talk to people around you, people hopefully that you didn't come to church with. If they're not too far away, you might need to scooch a little bit. And we'll take about a minute. Not everyone may be able to talk uh, as we try to make good use of our time, but I want you to get thinking about prayer in your own life and, and others, okay? All right, ready? Go. All right. All right, wrap up uh, whatever you're saying. I know this is always uncomfortable at first, but after you're done, you feel like you know the people around you a little bit better. So it's a good thing. Um, Kind of a class reaction at this point. Um, Raise your hand if most of the answers in your group were in the range of one to six. If most of the answers were in the range of one to six, all right, it looks like almost all of the answers, at least in the area of most of them, so to speak, or most of the hands are up, I should say. And, and, you know, it's interesting that when it comes to being a pastor, most people just feel like, you know, pastors have everything together in the area of everything spiritual. And, uh, you know, one thing I'd say to that is those are people that have never lived with a pastor because uh, if you've lived with one, you know that that's just not true. Um, But I have a personal confession as a pastor to make to you that um, I am not the greatest prayer in the world, Um, especially, I think, when it comes to the quantity of prayer in my life. I'd probably give myself about a five or 
you know, somewhere in that middle range. And um, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Uh, I want to share one of my struggles and see if you might be able to relate. I think that sometimes I, well, I've not been clinically diagnosed, but I think I might have a little bit of prayer ADD. <laughs> and what I mean, thanks, Marie. I always need at least one laugh from you. Um, What I mean by that is, you know, you read about Martin Luther, and he would pray two to three hours a day into his adult years. And I find myself struggling to concentrate for two to three minutes sometimes. And what happens is, you know, you try to pray, and then there's just all this other minutia around you that gets you distracted. The phone rings, the computer beeps, there's a honking, you know, car outside or a fly in the office, and all of a sudden, my attention is other places. I don't know if you can relate to this, or, or actually maybe it's not outside that's distracting, but it's in here that's distracting. So I don't know, my, one of, you know an ADD prayer uh, sounds like this, uh, dear Lord, uh, please be with uh, Mrs. Smith that she's in the hospital. Yeah, that's right, I need to go visit her on Wednesday. Uh, oh man, I have a chiropractor on Wednesday. And then all of a sudden, you're, I mean, am I the only one that this happens? Like you're trying to pray, but the prayer ADD happens and you start thinking about all these other things, right? And so sometimes our, our prayer life isn't so great because we have a hard time thinking, concentrating. Going to have some help with that today. Maybe the reason your prayer life is not where it should be is because you maybe don't feel like you really get prayer. And what I mean by that is this. It doesn't seem like prayer is working. You've been disappointed by prayer. And so it makes you not be encouraged to pray. And I think sometimes we view prayer and God like a cosmic vending machine. What I mean by that is you put the coins into a vending machine and you press what you want, you know, bag of Doritos, Snickers, candy bar, and then the the thing comes down and you get what you want. And sometimes we view prayer that way, that you put the, the prayer coins in and then you're supposed to get what you want. And some of you, some of us have been putting lots of coins in the machine, We've been praying that our loved one um, gets uh, better physically, or we've been praying that um, our child who's straying comes back, or we've been praying that we find the job that we need, or find the job that we like, or we've been praying just about a whole bunch of sorts of things, and nothing seems to be happening, and we get soured on prayer. Now, how does that work? We're going to talk more about that next week and the week after. There's lots of reasons why maybe our prayer rating is so low, and, and that's, why, that's why I'm really personally excited about this series. Uh, I, my hope is by the end of this series that we understand prayer more, and that prayer has become a more scheduled or important part of our faith lives. And so we've, we've called this series Telephone because of the main idea of what prayer is. And there could be some really long, theologically uh, flowery definitions to prayer. I decided to opt for one that's theologically correct, which you can remember. And it's our first fill-in. Prayer is just simply talking to God. Prayer is simply talking to God. And it doesn't have to be out loud. 
It can be in a song, like we sang earlier. It can be just thinking thoughts, but that your, your, your thoughts are being directed to God. Now, I just want you to think about that for a moment. Prayer is talking to God and to know that he hears you. That's a pretty amazing thing if you think about it. That we can talk to God in any time and anywhere. He says, I'm going to hear you and I'm going to take into consideration what you're praying about. Pretty amazing. Have you, ever, have you ever talked to someone that you felt privileged to be able to talk to? Um, in 2009 and 2010, the Minnesota Viking quarterback was Brett Favre, right? And, and when Favre came to Minnesota, he already was kind of a big deal, right, in sports circles. And so during his time here, he rarely allowed anyone to talk to him as far as outside of the team. He rarely had any interviews. He rarely let fans talk to him. He was just kind of closed off because, you know, he's a big deal, right? During that same time frame, um, one of uh, a girl that I went to high school with, she's two years younger than I am, um, her, she had a five-year-old son who was uh, terminally ill. And during that time frame, uh, one week, Favre and his wife, Deanna, um, chartered a plane and flew down to Madison, Wisconsin area and spent two to three hours of a morning with this high school classmate and their family. And for two to three hours, this guy who didn't let really anyone talk to him <laughs> gave this family full access to talk, to interact. Kind of a cool thing, huh? He's just a football player. God. We have full access to God, the, the guy who spoke and the world formed. The God who saw the oceans form and the mountains come out of the, the earth. And this, this blessing of prayer becomes all the more amazing when you recognize how different we are from God. And there's lots of ways that we can think of that, but the way I'm thinking about this morning is, is how different we are in the fact that God is perfect and holy and without sin, and then us. And, and I don't know how to say this nicely, but I'll just say this. We're not that. And there's this, this separation that should be the case because God is holy and we're not. I mean, think about our unholiness. Think about our sin. And we've talked about this before. But you know, you know that worry that you know that's not right? That it's sinning because you're not trusting? Get rid of it, okay? Stop worrying. And you're like, I've tried and I can't. Why? Because our, our faith, our, our trust is never perfect. That bad attitude you've got, just get rid of it. We can't, right? We try. We can get better with God's help. But the bad attitude, the worry, the anger, the sin just keeps popping up as much as we try to get rid of it. And there should be this separation between us and God. In fact, and maybe some of you remember this a few years ago, we talked about this in a Good Friday sermon. But in the temple, in the Old Testament, there was this very 
visible way for people to recognize that there should be a separation between us and God. And in the temple, there was two rooms. There was the holy place and then the most holy place, so very creative names, right? The holy place and the most holy place. And in between the holy place where where people could go and the most holy place where no one could go because that's where God's presence was, there was this visible reminder of that separation, and it's the it was this huge curtain, uh, not shower curtain, not window curtain. The curtain was um, about two to four inches thick and likely was about as wide as this room and about as tall as the peak in here, approximately. And, and if you went into that room on the other side of the curtain, guess what would happen to you? You'd die. Because unholy people like me can't go into the presence of a holy God. Now, this was all through the Old Testament. Does anyone remember when Jesus died, he breathed his last, and then Mark records what? What happened? Curtain ripped right down the middle. Like, it was just old, and it just happened to be a coincidence that it ripped. Like, it's time to get a new curtain. No, it's not what happened. God planned that as an object lesson, that when Jesus died, the perfect substitute, the perfect uh, price we needed for our sin, that the separation between God and us, because of Christ, it's gone. That you can come here as a sinner, though we are, and yet because of Christ's sacrifice for us, his covering of us with his grace, that God the Father, perfect and holy, can be here and we don't die. That he can be with us and we can be with him because of Christ's forgiveness. And that torn curtain, what a great reminder it was of how we now have access to God. In fact, uh, the writer to the Hebrews wrote uh, about it. Therefore, brothers, since we now can have confidence to enter the most holy place. And there he's not writing about how we now can just go into the temple. It, it, it's, it's a picture of the most holy place as being, we can with confidence enter the presence of God. By how? By the blood of Jesus. A new and living way opened for us through that curtain, which was his body as he died. And now we have a great priest over the house of God. And so, in prayer, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Can you imagine? Have you sat back at all to think about what a privilege prayer is? That we get to talk to God and it's not like going to the DMV. I don't like the DMV. You got those tickets. It takes forever. You don't have to wait. You pray, he hears you. You pray, the almighty God that has all this other stuff going on is able to care intimately about your thoughts and feelings. In fact, as Paul wrote in Romans, (laughs) he invites us to call him dad. Maybe one of the reasons we don't pray enough is that we don't recognize what it is or how much of a blessing it is, that the curtain has been torn, that we get to be in 
in God's presence, our, our second fill-in. Jesus is the reason that we can talk to God. And so, as he invites us to call him dad, we tend to think that part of a good relationship with God is going to church regularly. And it is. Part of being a good, having a good relationship with the Father is by um, following his direction for our life. And it is. Do you know prayer is relational? That part of having a good relationship with God is by taking the time to talk to him? Is there any relationship that you have that's good, like truly good, but you never talk? That part of a good relationship with God is regularly talking to him. So that's our, our next fill-in, number three. Prayer is part of our faith relationship with God. Let's be honest, most of you haven't, haven't viewed prayer that way, or at least not regularly. Like it's, it's part of just that conversation with God that is important to our faith relationship. Most of us tend to pray when? When we need the bag of chips or the Snickers, right? And we put the prayers in. And so most of our prayers, if we were to be honest, the vast majority, the highest percentage are the give me, help me, guide me prayers. Give me, help me, guide me. And is there anything wrong with those prayers? No. Keep praying them. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with them. I'm just saying there's so much more to prayer than give me, help me, guide me. Help me on the test. Give me uh, your presence as I, I go and, uh, to this doctor's appointment. Give me, help me, guide me. There is so much more. In fact, I think what we're going to find in this series is that the give me, help me, guide me prayers isn't even the core of why God gave us prayer. That really the core goes back to that relationship aspect. That, that a, a follower of Christ needs to pray because God commanded it and because it is part of a growing, vibrant faith relationship with him. And with that in mind, Jesus' disciples asked um, Jesus, could you, could you help me to pray? Could you teach me how to pray? And, and in that response, part of what Jesus did was gave them a pattern of prayer called the Lord's Prayer. That's what we know it by. But before he got to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave some directions that go to that relational aspect of prayer. And so let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to read some verses there about the relational side of prayer. Listen to what Jesus teaches about prayer. He says to the disciples, when you pray, don't be like the, the hypocrites, people who look one way but don't truly have faith. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I tell you the truth. They receive their reward in full. So here you have an example of Jesus' time of prayer that wasn't truly prayer. Um, there were groups of 
religious people who'd go out on certain public areas and, and look all holy and look um, all sanctified, and yet God, Jesus, knowing their hearts, knew it wasn't true prayer. And he said, you know, when, when you pray publicly like that um, to, to get recognition, you, your reward, you've already received it. You know what their reward was? That people looked on at them nicely. That was the reward, that people thought they were, they were good religious people. That was the extent of their reward. Now, verse 6 says this. He go, goes on, but when you pray, remember, this is relational. It's a relational thing. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So every time we pray, we've got to be by ourselves. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Um, There is public expressions of prayer, like at church together, or maybe at um, a restaurant. What a great testimony it is, uh, parents, when you and your family pray out loud in a restaurant. Not only is it good to pray, but what a testimony to the people around you. So there's public expressions of prayer, but part of a healthy prayer life, I think what we would say here, is part of a healthy prayer life are private expressions of prayer too. And that how important it is to find the right place to just for you and and God to spend time together, to spend time in in quiet prayer. And and the reality is, is you can pray anywhere, you can pray In the car during rush hour traffic with the kids screaming in the back, you can pray then. You can pray on the bus for help with a test while all the things that happen in a bus go on, you know, all the noise in a bus. But I'm telling you, there is something different about prayer when you and I find a time and a place that is quiet and where we and God can talk. And as God teaches about the relationship of prayer, one of the things I want you to consider is our next fill-in. It is good to have a place and a time for prayer. If you don't think about a place, if you don't think about a time, all of our prayers are likely going to be the give me, help me, guide me prayers in the midst of the busyness and the chaos of life. How does that work relationally? Um, Let me give you an example from life. For those of you who are married, um, (laughs) you know how, especially if you have kids, you know how hard it is to really talk to your spouse, right? And and you can go weeks talking, but yet uh, it's just like all about schedules and calendars and chauffeuring and meals and budgets and all this, and it's really not connecting right? You're talking, but you're not connecting. You know that if you don't find quiet time when the kids are in bed or out on a date or some, at some point, what happens to your relationship if you never talk, truly talk? That you need to be, as parents, you know this as married people, you need to be diligent in finding time to really talk with your spouse and how and what a difference that makes. It's no different with God. If we're just talking to him in the busyness of life, help me, guide me, we are not receiving the full benefits of prayer. 
We're not receiving the benefit that God wanted. Listen to how Jesus continues the second part of verse 6. Then when you do that, your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Oh, so that's the ticket. This is how I get what I want out of the vending machine. I just got to find a place and a time, and then God will reward me with exactly what I was wanting. That's not, unfortunately, what Jesus is saying here. Notice the reward for the person who prayed publicly. What was his reward? His relationship with people who saw him was better. What's the reward when you pray privately just between you and the Father? In contrast, your relationship with God grows. And I've been telling you, I, I don't even know exactly how that works. I just know that God has promised it to be true. And when you have a healthy prayer life, the Holy Spirit's involved. And God speaking to you through his word, you speaking to him. What is, it, what is that called when someone speaks to you and you speak back? A conversation, yes. Having a conversation with God. He speaks to you, you speak to him, and your faith relationship grows. What an awesome blessing. Verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Uh, a pagan here, um, kind of a, a harsh word in our society and culture, but a pagan basically means someone who doesn't believe in Jesus as their Savior. And so there were unbelievers at the time of Christ that were throwing up prayers to something, but because they had no faith and because their hearts weren't connected, it was babbling. Have you ever babbled in prayers? I'm not talking about lots of words. I'm talking about disconnected hearts. Let me ask this. I'm talking to myself, too. When's the last time you really thought about the Lord's Prayer when you prayed it in church? Like, really thought about it. If our hearts aren't connected, and it all, we're sinners, it happens, I'm telling you, it's, it's babbling. That memorized prayers, while good, can very easily become babbling because our hearts aren't connected. <laughs> um, I, I found this to be true over the last number of years with um, bedtime prayers at our house. We have like a rotation of three or four memorized prayers. And what I found, especially in the last you know, year or so, is that it was like, you know, I know you're supposed to keep your eyes closed when you're praying, but when you hear commotion in the room, as a parent, you just tend to open your eyes. And you, you see kids walking around, it's the little ones, of course, but walking around like this, or poking or touching their brother or sister. And, and it's just, no one's listening, no one's thinking, right? So for the last two months, here's something to think about. We've gotten rid of memorized prayers at bedtime. And we have prayer requests as a family, and then we have a rotation. Everyone takes a night. I'll tell you, even on a personal level, my bedtime prayer life with my family has grown because I'm not so easily tempted to babble. I'm not saying get rid of memorized prayers. I'm saying test your heart. And if you need to get rid of some, so heart is connected, maybe Maybe we, maybe we need to do that. Because why? It's not just about the words. What is it about? It's about a relationship with God, our prayer life, our last fill-in. Prayer includes connected hearts, not just our words. Find a place. Find a time. 
Speak from your heart. If you run out of things to talk about, make sure the Bible's there. Read a section of scripture. Use the soap journals. I guarantee you prayer thoughts will come as you read and he speaks to you and you'll have something to talk to him about. Pray, read. Kind of as a wrap-up today, um, most of you know that my dad's a pastor and when, especially when I first started the ministry, um, you know, probably our phone bills would, would reflect, could tell this story, but um, I, I would call him three, four, five times a week um, trying to figure out what to do next or how to do this or how to do that. And, and um, I remember thinking back then, what am I going to do when I can't talk to my dad anymore? And even today, I still feel that way. I don't call him as often about that stuff. But here, your dad is someone, you know, who knows you better than most people, who has a history with you, who likely is wiser than you are because of their time on this earth, who knows your weaknesses, who knows your strengths. And, and this is true about mom, too. I'm, I'm focusing on dad, though, because God is our heavenly father. Um, what a blessing it is if you still have dad to talk to. That's how it is with prayer. And we have this heavenly father who knows us intimately and who wants us to talk to him. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be digging more into the power of prayer and how that works. But this week, I just want you to grapple with this. Do I appreciate prayer? And how can I make prayer more than just a vending machine? But how do I make prayer more reflective of a relationship with my Heavenly Father? As we close here, I asked Danny to come over, and I want us to make prayer a little more pronounced today. And so um, as we pray, he's going to be quietly uh, playing, um, and, and as we pray, we're going to also take a moment for you just to, to talk with God for a moment, your Heavenly Father. Address Him privately as Dad, and talk to Him. Know that He hears you. Bring requests, bring things you're thankful for, whatever it is on your heart, and uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to call you dad. We thank you for knowing that you're always there, always listening. And Lord, as we come to you in prayer today, we confess that we haven't always used this gift like we should. And we ask that you would encourage us through this time in the word as you've talked to us to make prayer a bigger part of our life. Dear Lord, right now as we come together as a a large group of Christians here today. Um, we all pray to you now privately and, and know that you have this awesome ability as God to be able to hear all of us at the same time. So we now pray to you. Wow.